Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Based on a powerful true story, The Dark Horse is an uplifting portrait of a man searching for the courage to lead, despite his struggles with mental illness. The film features a stunning, award-winning performance by Cliff Curtis uh, as Genesis Jen Potini, uh, a brilliant but troubled New Zealand chess champion who finds purpose by teaching underprivileged children about the rules of chess and life. We are joined today by the writer and the director of the film, The Dark Horse, and that would be James Napier Robertson. James, welcome to Film School. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for being here. This is such a terrific film. It's a film that uh, in lesser hands could have sort of devolved into something a bit maudlin or even just not... the The film works so beautifully because uh, there's such a a truthfulness to the story and to the characters and to their reaction to the situations that they find themselves in. Wonderful film in that regard. It's based on a true story. Tell us, uh, walk us through a little bit about the genesis, if you will, of the story and and your decision to to move forward in, uh, in making The Dark Horse. Uh, yeah, and and thank you so much for all the um, for all your um, kind words about the film. Um, I think um, for me, when I was drawn to it, I was drawn entirely by uh, Genesis as a man, as a character. Um, I saw a documentary that had been made about him, um, and uh, in it, you just got the sense of such an incredibly complex, um, intelligent, articulate, but troubled sort of human being and I immediately after seeing it wanted to meet with him so I I was actually in LA at the time and I flew back from LA to New Zealand and with my uh, with the film's producer went down to Gisborne and met up with Genesis and I his character in the film he's wearing these pink crocs throughout it and those are actually what he was wearing when I first met him which made me think I've got to get those in the movie (laughs) Um, but when I sort of started talking with him and the way we really um, connected in the end was actually I sat down and played a game of chess with him and I've played chess since I was a kid and I so I sort of quickly lost but I think I managed to hang in there long enough that I I got his respect and that opened a a dialogue up between us and from there we just played hundreds of games of chess and talked constantly and talked all about his life and about his struggles with mental health and the community and all these aspects and those were the things that really sort of fueled me sort of starting to write the script so there was this one aspect of the the you know which which is very true of him taking his kids in this um club and going you know to this tournament which in a way you know becomes like a one of central narratives but the stuff that i was really um, the, all the, the richness of it and that I was drawn to was very much, you know, within Genesis, his own inner struggles and his, his, his character study of him in a way. And then, of course, the um, triumvirate with him and his brother mm-hmm. and his nephew and their, their you know, very 
um, complicated relationship within the env- the environment that they live in. Well, it, it it's obvious then from well just from what you said I should say the that he was comfortable enough with you to open himself up to what I assume uh, some form of a partnership in order to write his character. I mean, having seen the documentary, I'm sure you had a wealth of information about him, but to sort of dive down into him in his psyche, uh, I it sounds like he made himself available for you. In a to a remarkable degree. I mean, it, it sort of this was one of the amazing things about Jen was, I think once he decided that he trusted you, once he decided that he 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 should give you um, that respect, that was that. I mean, he was completely, utterly uh, on your side and supportive. And I remember, you know, I, I would sort of. Um, when I wasn't with him in Gisborne, and I would be in Auckland um, writing the script, he would call me every week to check in, and I would always want to tell him what I'm writing. I would want to read it out to him, or you know, so that you know, so that he would give it his approval, and I'd know that he was comfortable and happy with it. Yet he would never let me do that. Uh, he never wanted to know what I was writing because his opinion was. Uh, he is the chess player, I'm the filmmaker, and we should leave it like that. And instead, he wanted to simply um, show me support through what was, he knew would be a challenging time by singing to me on the phone. Oh, wow. So he would sing the, this Māori waiata, like a, a song of, of support, um, and I would literally you know, have him there on the phone singing to me while I'm working, which was an amazing, amazing thing. And as I say, an, an extremely... Uh, generous spirit in 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 all senses of of the word. Um, well, you must so, have, you must have really felt uh, I say pressure, but you must have felt uh, an inspiration, if you will, to make not only to give him his due as a as a character in the film, but the fact that he is so opened himself up to you. To really up your game in terms of your writing and your and, and the the character development and the other people involved in this film, it really I would assume that it really made, uh, may, I'd say it made you a better uh, filmmaker. But I mean I can't think of another way to say it. Did you feel this sort of? Did you feel that? Do you feel like you really owed him this by virtue of how he was so open to your your overtures? Immensely, um, I it was an, there was an immense sense of that, and to be honest, the thing that then made it even more crucial was when we very sadly lost Jen. He passed away about um, a year into to my writing the script, which was a real shock for all of us. And suddenly, from that moment, it shifted from being a film about him that I could then sit next to him with and watch it and, and turn to him and say, what do you think? To suddenly becoming something that's essentially his legacy, yeah. uh, that people will know him and remember him for. And that felt like a huge am- amount of pressure to get that right, um, to do him and his story justice. And uh, there were a few moments I remember thinking, you know, gosh, I feel a little um, overwhelmed by that, you know, because of how important it is to try and try and um, try and do that in the right way. But 
I remember when I was sitting at his, his, his tangi, his funeral in New Zealand, and it was in this hall and it was overflowing with people. And there were all these um, schools bringing in groups of kids coming and talking about how he'd sort of changed their lives and, you know, videos being sent in from young men in their 20s or 30s from, you know, Russia or Germany or sort of all over the world saying how because of Jen now they're a lawyer or, or even one was a chess player and, you know, that they've basically, it's like what he taught them, they were going to, you know, become, uh, 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 go through a gang uh, lifestyle essentially but now they're out and and he showed them that hope and I sort of just remember sitting there thinking um, feeling very awed by all of this and thinking I have to I have to tell this story I, more people have to know about him yeah. we're speaking with James Napier Robertson he's the writer and director of the film The Dark Horse it comes out here in Los Angeles it was this April 1st it comes out here in Los Angeles and New York in Los Angeles at the Lemley Royal Theatre and in New York at the Angelic, Angelic, how come I can't say that? I think it's Angelica. Angelica, thank you. Angelica (laughs) Film Center here, uh, that's in New York. I I don't know if you're here or in New York when we're speaking. I don't know if you're out here for any of the screenings or not. I'm in Los Angeles at the moment. So you will be at the Lemley Royal for some of the screenings? I I believe so, yeah. Okay, okay. Now, again, I'm going back. This is, is such a, a... a well-made film. Uh, aside from the writing, it is it, the, the it's a beautiful film to look at. Uh, the story, the sort of the the surrounding story of uh, Genesis uh, Jen Potini is the the kids that he is involved with this chess club. The acting is just so wonderful across the board in this film. It's really beautifully. Uh, the portrayals are just spot on in terms of their gravitas, in terms of their the interaction between him and and Mana and his brother. Just terrific. But I, I need to find Thank out. Thank you so much. Yeah, it, 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 they're really all great. Uh, the performance uh, it, by Cliff Curtis, who plays uh, Jen in this film, mm-hmm. had he been casted before uh, uh, Jen died, or was this... No, um, Cliff unfortunately never got a chance to meet um, Jen uh, um, other than, you know, um, sort of as much as he was able to meet him through all of the people that were very close to him. But um, when I finished the script and and was thinking about who to play, who could sort of capture Genesis, Cliff wasn't really someone that was kind of high on the radar at that, like for me, because Cliff is normally... Uh, slim, good-looking, kind of, you know, handsome man. Uh, Genesis was a big, toothless, funny haircuts, kind of really eccentric uh, character. And it was so important for me that the film captured that. Yeah. And, I, and I couldn't quite see, as, as brilliant an actor as Cliff is, it was, it was a challenge to see him get from where he is, his normal equilibrium, to get over to, to where someone like Genesis was. But um, Cliff actually got given the script uh, by an, another actor that we were, we were reading for a different role, and uh, he got in contact with us, and we just, I just started talking with him and having long conversations. And I was really drawn by the way he talked about the role and certain things that he, he, he talked about, what, what he connected to in it. So in the end, um, there were two things that I asked him to do to 
to kind of you know really take that huge step to become the character um i asked him to put on all the weight mm-hmm. and um i asked him to essentially method act the role stay in character for the whole of the shoot and he thought those were both absolutely awful ideas and made it very clear straight away that he'd never do them um and but i think eventually i kind of wore him down and he saw the the logic in trying to capture such an extraordinary character taking extraordinary steps so he put on about uh, i think close to 60 pounds in about six weeks wow um and he began a process which it was not something he'd ever done before and again not something i'd ever actually made an actor do before he began the process of becoming uh genesis of literally becoming um you know someone with with bipolar with um you know about issues with homelessness and a lot of these kind of very intense uh aspects of of the character cliff really went in there and uh, for the entirety of the shoot, he was Genesis. There was no Cliff Curtis. I had everyone in the crew only refer to him as Jen or Genesis. Um, he stayed in the clothes. His wife hated me for months <laughs> uh, as a result. But, um, you know, I'm thrilled that we did it because I think in the end it really it really helped. I, I ask this question only because it feels like this film was shot in sequence. I doubt it was, and generally they're not. But the, beca- And the reason I say that is this performance is so beautifully calibrated. It, 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 there, I, I really want to let our audience know that this is the kind of performance that, uh, I, mean, it's a, I don't know, it's a career changing. I don't want to get into all the sort of the Hollywood speak of it, but just as a mm-hmm. character, he, he, he mm-hmm. is so subtle at, and even at times when his behavior is manic and obviously troubled, mm-hmm. It's. I just love watching him do this role, n- not only as an audience member, but as someone who studies film. I think he just did a mm-hmm. remarkable job here. Really terrific. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, my, that's my question. Was it shot in sequence or not? No. I mean, you know, uh, you'd always love to, but often, you know, with the restrictions of, of, of budget and time, you're simply not able to. So it just meant that we had to be immensely aware of and careful about making sure that where where Cliff uh, was at on on the kind of spectrum in a way, yeah. uh, and that that was always um, kind of because you know for someone who's you know attempting um, method acting bipolar and and homelessness to then also for it to, the the schizophrenic nature of a schedule where you know you shoot something and then something from much much later in the film and jumping all around. Um, it just meant, as I say, we had to put an immense amount of of care and thought um, into exactly, you know, those, those pro- that that shape of of his of his performance. Well, that um, that's a testament to you as a director, then, because it, yeah, well, that, that that what you just described that, is not you. an easy thing to do, and you're especially right in a character that does does go in and out of these episodes of troubled behavior in addition to mm-hmm. these these moments of sentient you know understanding and clarity is it's a real challenge mm-hmm. i had to be i can only imagine uh in calibra- as mm-hmm. i said calibrating his performance that way it was, i mean it was it was a, 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 an, an, a yeah an immense amount of 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 extremely careful um uh you know um 
focus and, and just staying on that. But, but you know, the, the wonderful thing again is I remember when I was first thinking of making the film and, you know, of capturing Genesis as a, as a character in a film. And I just, you know, I, I knew, I, I felt that he would be such... If, if, if able to pull that off, he would be such an extraordinary character to have in cinema, um, such a, a, an incredible, unique character, and in, one, and in a way, one that's there's 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 a, a risk with him in a sense because there's not many characters in films that are so central to, I mean, the, literally the film it's, it's, he's central to the film, yet he is so um, there's a there's, He's so kind of unpredictable in a way as a person, and um, to try and balance that within a film's narrative, I mean that was one of the real challenges. But um, as I say, one of the things that I, I was I was extremely um, excited about the, the possibility of, of of doing that. We're speaking with James Napier Robertson. He is the director and writer of the film The Dark Horse. And just one last point about that, because some there are often in films when you're when a character is dealing with mental illness, there is a tendency on the part of some films and filmmakers to sort of, I wouldn't say glamorize, but sort of soften the edges, round off the edges of people dealing with mental issues, mental mm-hmm. illness issues, and to sort of make them the happy, mentally ill person or whatever that tendency might mm-hmm. be in the character. In this film, I never, I always understood where, that he was struggling and dealing with the things that he, w- he was dealing with in the film uh, and aware of it, mm. but it, it just it just felt very organic in the way that he portrayed this, and, and it, it just, he did a fantastic job, and I, I know he's won a number of awards at film festivals based on his performance in this film, in The Dark Horse, and well-deserved. Um, but I do, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't really talk about the performance of Wayne Hoppe, in this as well, mm, mm, I think mm. I yeah. think the fact that he is so wonderful as well makes it, it just those two. The interaction of those two is just fantastic. Talk us a little mm-hmm. bit about Wayne as who plays his brother Ariki. Yeah, Wayne, who is just uh, an absolute um, revelation. Um, he had never acted before in his life. This is the first uh, time he did, he's ever acted. He actually. Um, was a, a gang member uh, himself for about 15 years in Black Power, one of New Zealand's worst gangs. And so we, the way we found Wayne, we actually put up um, flyers saying that we were looking looking for actors, looking for, for Māori men in their 40s. Um, and we put it up in a, um, in a WINS office, which is like a work and income, like a benefit office. And he was just going in there to try and, you know, find any work at all. There's, you know, job listings. And there's this flyer there, and it says, um, Tattoos and Criminal Records Welcomed. And so we had a, a queue down the block of, of aspiring uh, actors, and Wayne was one of them. Um, and the, the first, our customer, did, she just put something down on tape with him. It wasn't much, but there was something immediately uh, special about him. So... I decided to just bring him in and throw him in the deep end because that character is so crucial. I mean, he's such a huge part of the film and a huge part of the soul of the film and that that kind of central struggle that's happening between the brothers and this kind of cultural, um, social dynamic. 
and it uh, it needed someone who could who could just um, you know I mean who had the ability to capture all of that and and I'm I wasn't sure if there were many actors that could do that so I brought Wayne in to do a, a, a callback opposite Cliff and I found out later that Wayne had to catch about three different bus rides to get to this callback it took him a couple of hours and he walked in and I gave him it was the the toughest scene of the film for for his character, and I think arguably one of the toughest scenes in the film um, when they are in the bedroom together and they really get into yeah, things. Yeah. And he walked in, and literally from the moment I called action, it was just remarkable. I, I kind of got chills because he was so powerful, he was so strong, and his instincts um, were incredible. And it's not simply that he lived the life himself. I mean, I mean, that obviously he was able to bring that to the role, but it's a remarkable ability to then actually be able to communicate that to a camera um, in the truthful way that he did. So from then on, I mean, there was a lot of nervousness when I was sort of talking about wanting to cast him because not only does he not have an agent, he doesn't have a, even have a phone number, and he's never done this before, and you're putting a lot of pressure on the guy, and... Um, you know, a lot of almost all the, the gang members in the film were real, real gang members um, or ex-gang members, and from different gangs. So there was always this fear that you know something might break out on set. Um, but you know, it felt to me like you know we I had to set that bar of authenticity. It was so important for this film to feel truthful and to tell the truth in in in, in these very, very um, important issues that it's dealing with. And so Wayne um, Wayne was, was one of those. And, and I mean, I've got to say, he was there, there was never a take he, he did that wasn't exceptional. He was just one of the most gifted actors I've ever been fortunate enough to encounter. Well, I, I hope that he decides to continue in this line of work because, yeah, in a, there's a physical presence. This is something I don't think you can teach. He has... Now, mm -hmm. this is also a testament to your cinematographer, to yourself, and, you know, the way that you shot him. But he has a bearing to him um, and, and a presence. And, again, I, I can't even imagine how difficult it is for someone who comes in, has never stood in front of a film camera with all the people mm -hmm. on the set and everything else, and, and mm -hmm. the tendency to not overact. I never felt like there was anything in his performance that felt mm -hmm. like he was playing to a camera. It, he, you're mm -hmm. right, he's felt very present in those scenes. He's terrific. Mm -hmm. He's really, really fantastic in this film. Just really great. Yeah, yeah. and his his there's a, his the power that he has in in his stillness, in his right. ability to sit there, the stoic kind of uh, mana that he has, and and you know he had to, he was on set as you say, first time ever having a camera in his face, lighting the all the whole kind of circus of filmmaking, and he's you know acting opposite. Cliff Curtis, who in New Zealand is uh, a, a legend, you know, he's a he's an iconic um, superstar, and so many many people that would have all of those environments, and 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 an annoying director asking him to do something twenty times, you know, well, a lot of people well. would have cracked under that, but he he did not. He quite the opposite. Well, you you, you got great performance. This is a I, I'm I'm telling my audience we're just. You know, break the fourth wall here. This is a terrific film. Go see this film. It comes out um, today here in Los Angeles at Lindley Royal, as well as in New York at the Angelica Film Center. And uh, it's called The Dark Horse. You can go to thedarkhorsefilm.com to find out more about it. 
Uh, James Napier Robertson is in town here to do Q&As over at the Lemley Royal, so check that out as well. Congratulations, tremendous film, The Dark Horse. Thank you so much for being here on Film School today, James Napier Robertson. Thank you so much. It's, it's been my pleasure. Take care. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.